Let's all stand. Aren't you glad he's on the throne tonight? <laughs> That's why I shout to the Lord. Amen. I tell you to know that he's alive. He's alive and on the throne. He's in charge. He's ruling. He's reigning. And everything is under his control. I praise him for it. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. We've come tonight. Let's pray. Let's invite Jesus to be in church with us tonight. Amen. We want him to come and be a part of our services. Let's pray. Father, tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, we invite you to be our honored guest. Father, we invite you to come because we want to tell you that we love you. We want to love you and worship you and praise you and give thanks to you. And Father, we want to give you something. And then, Lord, we ask you just to move. We know if you're here, you're going to talk to us. And we know, Lord, if you're here, you're going to work in our midst. And we know when we'll go home tonight that our hearts will stand in all of your presence. So, Father, be with us tonight. Come to church with us. Move in every heart. And we'll bless you and thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, he holds the future. 
seated. Thank you. Here we go. in me and this one thing I know my Savior pardoned me and now I onward go I know he'll take me through I'm traveling to that shore and I can't feel at home in this world Oh. 
could have come in all its splendor, greater than the eye has ever seen. He could have come in robes of scarlet, and all the world would see that he is king. He could have
stand tonight as the choir comes down. Get out, shake hands with everyone, make everyone feel welcome. Please look for those visitors. Just don't stand around. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I journey through the land, singing as I go. Oh, the streets of 
Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to ask J.C. if he'll come on. He's got a guest with him tonight. We'll let you tell, let him tell you who this is. This is my girlfriend, Charity James, and I uh, found out she could sing. I said, I'm going to use you, so we're going to sing tonight. You know, I've often wondered what it would have been like to have been Mary walking down the road after Jesus had just come out of the tomb. Hmm. And when the Bible says when she met him, she thought he was a gardener. <laughs> Little did she know that that was Jesus. The Bible says, and the song that we're getting ready to sing, it says she ran back. And with tears in her eyes, it says, when he spoke to me, I knew it was the Savior. Listen to the message in this song. It's called When He Spoke. She thought he was a gardener when she met him on the road. She had gone to see the tomb where Jesus lay. But when she heard the stranger speak, Mary, I'm the one you see. She ran to the disciples and through her tears they heard her say when he spoke to me I knew it was the Savior when he spoke to me he called me by my name the stone that sealed my heart with fear rolled suddenly away for when Jesus spoke I knew I be the same. For years I walked without him, living only for myself. But that only led to pain and misery. Then in my heart I heard him say, Child, there
When he talks to you, you'll know it, amen. <laughs> oh, I remember when he spoke to my heart, called me by name, April 2nd, 1972. Oh, the Lord is good to us, amen. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. You go right ahead. In fact, it made me think of something. Go ahead. Hold on. <clears throat> Amen. Sure he does. Amen. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Need somebody from the faith team from Thursday night. Somebody from the faith team. Uh, Vivian, come right ahead. And hand her that mic right there. And we're in our fourth week of faith. And I'm going to tell you something. You're talking about a blessing. I mentioned this morning we made 91 contacts on uh, Thursday night. Quickly, Vivian, tell me about what happened on Thursday night. Well, I am on Sister Sherry's team. And for those of you who know, Sister Sherry had been sick. And I knew that, that my team was going to go out. And I was thinking, well, Brother Ken will go with us because I can't do this on my own. But Brother Kim walked over to the table and he said, Viv, do you care to take two out? And I said, no. Inside I was going, oh, Lord, not me. <laughs> Please don't send me. I'll go with somebody else and let them do the talking, but not me. So the names in our book, we had four names. And Sister Sherry and our, our team, we had visited them all before. And I said, well, guys, if Pete and David will stand, these are two learners. Yeah. Amen, fellas. And May I say it was a blessing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Amen. I said, boys, what we're going to do is we're going to go over to East Ridge because I know East Ridge well. We're just going to see where the Lord directs our path. And we prayed before we left the parking lot. And I said, Lord, we want to get out to as many as we can. Where can we go? I was driving down South Seminole uh, Street, and here, here we go, right into Bimini Apartments. And I said, Lord, I've not been in here in 15, 20 years. I've not pulled in here. So you lead, you direct. Well, we went up to the very highest level. There's three levels to that apartment building, and we knocked on every door. We came. The first door that we got someone to kind of just... It, it kind of got us down there for a second until we walked off. It was just for a split second, though, because she told us. She said, I don't want you track. I don't want to talk to you. She just shut the door in our face. She said, I'm an, of an organized religion. I don't want to be saved. And David and Pete and I, we just stood there and looked at ourselves, and we said, bless her, Lord. So, send somebody her way. Amen. We're not going to let this get us down. The next door we talked, on, talked to, the lady knew. She was, if she died, she was going to heaven. And I said, well, Lord, is this just going to be a night that that's all I do is just talk to ones that you've saved? Lord, I'm out here to get somebody saved. This is what I'm praying in my heart. Amen. We keep knocking on doors, and a young man comes to the door, and he gave us a faith answer. But his daughter is 11 years old, and he was looking for a church for his daughter. He works on Sunday. And I told him about our bus ministry. I told him about Awanas. I told him everything about our church, that we love the Lord here and that we worship the Lord. So we left him, and I left a track with him and told him to read it to his daughter. So the last apartment on that top street, a lady comes to the door. She's got a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. None of them were saved. 
The 17-year-old and the 15-year-old were not there, but she was there. We led her to the Lord. Amen. Right there on her front doorstep. Praise the Lord. Great. Amen. She's, she'd never had, she said, I've, I've always been taught that even if I sinned today, if I died tonight, I'd go to hell. And I said, oh, no. My Savior came once. He died once. Amen. He rose once. And he is the king. So when we had first pulled in, we had noticed quite a few cars on the second level. And I told David, I said, let's just go up to the top level and we'll work our way down. So when we came back by the second level, there, was, there had been two ladies sitting out there on their porch, but they weren't there any longer. And I said, well, you know, it's about time to get back for celebration. I said, let's go down to the first level and see if there's anybody down there. When we had full, first pulled in, there was no one out there. But there were two young ladies. I'd say they were probably about 8 and 12. And we stopped the car. And we asked if their mom or their dad was there. And one of the girls said, my mom's here. And I said, well, do you mind if to go in and get her and maybe she'll come out and talk with us? We led her to the Lord. Amen. Her daughter was, another daughter of hers was on the inside, and she came out. We talked to all three girls. All three girls gave us a faith answer. They all knew if they died, they were going to heaven. But this mom said, no, I, I know that if I died, she said, I, I would go to hell. So I said, well, ma'am, I, I went through all through faith, and I said, understanding this, would you like to have this forgiveness? And she said, oh, yes. Yes, I'd like to have this. So we prayed with her, and while talking with her after she had prayed and after she had thanked God for his forgiveness, she said, there is a young couple, and I'd like for everyone in this church to pray for this young couple. They are here from up north. They have no friends, no family. He is living with his boss and his boss's wife. His, this man's wife had just given birth to a baby, and it had died after it was seven years old. The day before she delivered, her, his boss's wife had delivered also, and their child is doing okay. And they're having to live in a home where this lady's baby's doing okay, and they've had to bury theirs. So I ask that you pray for this Amen. couple. They are not in church. He's working for a boss that watches the weather channel at night that says they're in construction, and he says if it rains tomorrow, if it shows on the weather channel it's raining tomorrow, they just don't even bother getting up. So y'all pray for him. We gave him Amen. literature on the church. I told him that he could call Brother Ken or Brother Aaron and speak with them. So y'all pray for this family. There's a great, great need. Amen. They had the privilege of winning two people to the Lord. Isn't that great? That is great. What a blessing. We're enjoying faith this semester. Next semester will start in January, sometime in January, so I know many of you will want to get in on it. Let's stand as we honor the public reading of His Word, 1 Peter 5. Let me just make mention the new tape room is open in the back, and the new library is open. If you haven't gone by there, you need to go by there and see that's where the old nurseries were. Of course, we lost the tape room over here, but if you go in the back part down the hall, you'll find the new tape room and the new library, and uh, you'll like that. And if you, and the ladies, as we mentioned this morning, need many of you to sign up for the Bible conference to help and work in the uh, feeding schedules and meals and different things like that, as well as a sign-up sheet for cakes. Sherry, is it in the lobby back there? 
It's back there in the back. And uh, many of the ladies help us there. It's good to see RJ City back tonight. Let's welcome RJ back. Good to see him in the service tonight. Good to have him. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. For a few Sunday nights, we've been thinking about why God lets his people suffer. We're going to look at a third reason tonight why God lets his people suffer. Look at verse 10, 1 Peter 5. The scripture said, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect to establish you, three, strengthen you, four, settle you. Peter tells us there's a reason for suffering. After ye have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Thank you. you. may be seated tonight. We're going to look at the word strengthen and be reminded that God lets his people suffer in order to strengthen them. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, as we come, Father, our hearts have already been blessed. And Father, we could go home even now saying it's been a delight, it's been a joy, been a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we come now because we want to hear from you and we ask you now that you might speak to us through your word. I pray tonight that you give us all a deep love for the word of God. May we stand in awe of thy word as the psalmist did. May we love thy word. May we hunger for thy word and thirst after the truths of thy word. Father, we come tonight asking you to speak to us. Help us to grow tonight from the Word of God. But Lord, help us tonight to gain truth from the Word that will help us when we go through the trials of life to realize, Lord, that our trials are not without a reason. Help us tonight to see that and to understand and to comprehend that you often let us suffer in order to strengthen us. So speak now and we'll praise you and we'll thank you for it's in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake we ask these things Amen. I never forget reading a story one time. This is one of my favorite little stories about this little boy that entered a grocery store and he asked the grocer there for a box of does detergent. And the grocer was somewhat puzzled why a little bitty boy would want a box of does detergent. So he asked him what he wanted with it and the little boy said he was going to wash his cat. And the grocer looked at him and said, Young man, you shouldn't wash your cat with that kind of soap. But the little boy insisted, so said it would be okay, so the grocery man sold him a box of does detergent. Well, a few days later, the little boy returned, and the grocer asked about his cat, said, how's your cat doing? And the little boy said, oh, he died. And the grocer said, son, I warned you not to wash your cat with a does detergent. And the little boy said, the soap didn't hurt him a bit. It was the spin cycle that got him. Well... <laughs> I know sometimes in life you feel like you're in that spin cycle and sometimes it is the spin cycles that get us. We've been talking about suffering. We've been talking about trials. Why does God let his people suffer? We find in 1 Peter chapter 5 that Peter tells us that suffering has a reason in, in our lives. If you've been with us on Wednesday night in our study of James, we've emphasized that as well, that trials are not without rhyme or reason. That suffering in our life is not without a purpose. But in the believer's life, God either arranges or appoints or allows all things to happen in our life. Peter tells us that God uses trials to work several things in our life. Some of them we've already looked at. He tells us for one thing that God uses suffering to perfect us. 
And we saw that word perfect there is a word that means to restore. And we saw how that God uses suffering to restore us. How many in this room tonight, you found yourself away from God? And you found yourself, you were saved, but yet you got away from God. But God used suffering to bring you back. God used trials. God used adversity. God used affliction to restore you. Sometimes God lets us suffer in order to perfect us, to restore us to certain places in our life. Not only does Peter tell us that God uses suffering to restore us or to perfect us, but also, as we saw last Sunday night, to establish us. And we saw that that word means to fix firmly or to set certain things firmly in our life. There are certain things that God wants fixed fast in our life, and there are certain things that God wants to fix firmly in our life. And trials are sometimes the method of God to fix these things firmly in our life. So God uses suffering. But the third thing that Peter tells us is that God uses suffering to strengthen us. You see, God doesn't want the believer stumbling. God wants the believer standing. And this is the only time you find it in the Bible. And it's a word that means to make strong, but to fill with strength in order to produce that strength or strong. In other words, what he's telling is that God uses suffering to fill us with strength. That God wants us to be strong and God wants us to stand and He uses suffering in order to make us strong and to fill us with strength. Now again, God uses suffering. And God uses suffering in our life to produce many things. But as Peter tells us, one of the things that God uses suffering for is to make us strong believers. I think of the words of Douglas Mollick. He said, the tree that never had to fight for sun in sky and air in light that stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain, never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to heaven from the common soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow in ease. The stronger wind, the tougher trees. The farther sky, the greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snows, in tree or man, good timber grows. I remind you tonight, man or trees, it is the strong winds that make us strong. You want to be strong? Then expect adversity in your life. You pray, Lord, help me to be a strong believer. Help me to be strong against temptation. Help me to stand. Then mark it down. Adversity may be one of the tools that God will use to strengthen you. Someone said that trials are often the divine gymnasium in which we develop our spiritual muscles and become strong. God uses suffering to make us strong. The Bible tells us that God wants us to be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye stand fast in the faith and quit you like men and be strong. The Bible tells us to be strong. Romans 15, 1 talks about they that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So God wants the believer to be strong. Well, how does God... Use suffering to make us strong. I want you to look at three things in the Bible where it talks about being strong. Three areas in which God wants me to be strong. Three areas in which God wants you to be strong. Keep it in mind that God uses adversity to make us strong. Are you ready now? Say amen. Write these down. First of all, I think about how we're to be unshaken by our foes. 
I think about how we're to be unshaken by our foes. Jot this reference down, Ephesians 6 and verse 10. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. There's the instruction. There's the injunction. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Paul tells us to be strong. He tells us to be strong in two things. He tells us to be strong in the Lord, and he tells us to be strong in the power of His might. But what is the situation when he tells us to be strong? What is the situation, the occasion for this charge to be strong? Jot these two things down. One, there is the adversary that battles us. When Peter, or rather Paul, tells us to be strong, he says that in light of an adversary that we're in a battle with. Look at Ephesians 6 and verse 12. The Bible said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, tonight as a believer, we are in a battle. We're in a battle with the devil, and we're in a battle with his demons. It is a battle against darkness. It is a battle against wickedness. It is a battle against an adversary that is ruthless and an adversary that is heartless. I have said it this way many, many times over these years. We are not children on a playground. We are soldiers on a battleground. And we are in a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our enemy and our adversary is not the one sitting around us. We wrestle an infernal enemy. Our adversary wants to enchant us with the things of this world. Our adversary wants to entice us with the temptations of the flesh. Our adversary wants to entrap us with the thoughts of the mind. And our adversary wants to enslave us with the turning of the heart. And Satan would love to sift us, shake us, subdue us, stain us, stop us with the ultimate goal of seeking us. We are in a battle. The devil is real. Do I get an amen there? And he has one objective. When he talked about in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He's not talking about this wrestling stuff you have on TV today. I never did keep up with that kind of thing. Only wrestler I ever remember is Haystack Calhoun. That's the only one I remember. You, how many of you remember Haystack Calhoun? Oh, you're not good wrestling fans. Say amen right there. But I never did get in that kind of wrestling whatever there. But he's not talking about two men getting in there, pulling one another's hair out, and some lady climbing over the ropes and hitting them with a chair. That's not what he's talking about. When he talked about wrestling in Ephesians chapter 6, he was talking about a very serious form of wrestling that existed in that day. The objective was much the same. You wanted to pin your opponent to the mat. But when you pinned your opponent to the mat, there was a serious penalty for losing. If you pin your opponent to the mat, he didn't get up and say, I lost, I'm 21 and 1, or I am 14 and 3. No, if you pin your opponent to the mat, then the penalty for losing was death. I want you to realize tonight we're in a battle against the devil. And it's not a matter we can be 21 and 1 or 24 and 3. No, you got one shot at it. And he has one objective in your life he wants to take you out of the battle altogether. He wants to wreck and ruin your life. And if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile and he'll wreck and ruin you. We are in a battle tonight. I battle this flesh every day of my life. You battle your flesh every day of your life. Oh, no, Brother Ken, nothing bothers me. Then we need to get a shovel and dig a hole and bury you before you start stinking and make the rest of us uncomfortable. Say amen right there. Because you're dead. We battle with the flesh. We battle with the world. We battle with the devil. We have an adversary that we battle with every day. 
He said, be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we have a adversary, and we have adversaries. But second of all, I think about not only the adversary that we battle, or the adversary that battles us, but I think about, second of all, the adversity that builds us. Now, think with me. He tells me to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in the Lord, to be filled with strength that I might overcome the adversary of this world, that I might be able to say no when I ought to say no, and that I might say yes when I should say yes that I might resist the adversary, that I might resist temptation, the pull of the world, the flesh, and the devil. How do I become strong? This is what Peter said. After ye have suffered a while, strengthen you. You realize that God uses suffering to build your spiritual muscles so you can be strong in the Lord? Again, the devil's real, is he not? And the battle is real, is it not? Now, we've got to stand. If we don't stand, we'll fall for anything. And if we fall, then he's not just trying to pin us and knock us out for a few services. He won't shout the battle altogether. Therefore, we've got to be strong. And in order to be strong, God must fill us with that strength. And one of the ways that he fills us with that strength is through the storms of life. Oh, Brother Ken, why does God, why did God let this happen in my life? Why the storm? Because you are in a battle and God wants you to be strong in the Lord. I remember reading one time about the Soviet cosmonauts. I read about one particular event on December the 29th, 1987, and the Soviet cosmonaut returned to Earth after 326 days in orbit. And what was so amazing, what so excited them about it was, he returned after 326 days in orbit and he was in good health. You see, that had not always been the case in those early record-breaking voyages. For example, only five years earlier, touching down after 211 days in space, two cosmonauts suffered from dizziness, high pulse rates, and heart palpitations. And when they returned, they couldn't walk for a week. And after 30 days, they were still undergoing undergoing therapy for atrophied muscles and weakened hearts. And what they found out was that at zero gravity, the muscles of the body began to waste away because there is no resistance. So to counteract this, the Soviets prescribed a vigorous exercise program for the cosmonauts, and they invented what they called a penguin suit, which was nothing more than a running suit that was laced with elastic bands. And they wore that suit and it resisted their every move, forcing the cosmonauts to exert strength anytime they did anything so that they would stay strong. I think about how we find ourselves in a battle against the devil and why sometimes trials come. Why is it that some things in life seem to resist our every move? Why is it when I turn this way, something else happens? And I turn this way, something else happens. Brother Ken, I can't seem to get on the top. It seems like every time I turn around, something else is going wrong. Why is that? Why is my every move resistant? Because you're in a battle. And God wants you to be strong and fight against your adversary. And suffering is that has that way of making you strong. Are you with me now? Be strong in the Lord. So he's talking about being unshaken by our foes. Look at the second thing. 
not only are we to be unshaken by our foes, but also when I think about the matter of strength, I see that we're to be unwavering in our faith. Look in Romans 4 and verse 20. Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, we're not only to be strong in the Lord, but the Bible tells me to be strong in faith. Notice a good example of being unwavering in our faith. Romans 4.20, he, referring to Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now look at that. Two things about it. One, you see a faith that was firm. The Bible said that he was strong in faith. That he staggered not at the promises of God. That is, he did not hesitate to believe God. When he said he staggered not at the promises of God, it's not like, it's like God coming down and saying, Abraham, this is what I want to do, and it kind of knocked him back, and oh, I'm not so sure about that, staggering at it. No, when he said that he staggered not, it means that he did not hesitate to take God at his word. He did not hesitate to believe God. He was strong in faith. Now, what is it that God was asking? What was it that he was so strong in faith about? What is it that he was believing? God had made Abraham a promise that he was going to have a boy. I wish he'd made me a promise he was going to have a girl, but he didn't do it, so he gave me three boys. And I'd sell one of them for a girl. Say amen right there. Pick anyone you want, and uh, they're all cheap. Say amen right there. But, uh, but he made him a promise he's going to give him a boy. Years went by. Abraham didn't have a boy. And I'm sure many times sitting out on the veranda, uh, Abraham and Sarah talk about it. And But years went by, years went by, no boy. God came along and reaffirmed it. Still no child, still no boy. But one day God paid him a visit, and he said, in nine months you're going to have a baby. But here was the problem. Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 years old. And humanly speaking, they were both past the age of being able to have children. But how did Abraham respond to what God said? Romans 4.20 said that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Romans 4.21 said, being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. His faith was undaunted by the physical improbability of such a thing. His faith was unshaken by the physiological impossibility of such a thing. And his faith was unmoved but the biological incapability of such a thing. He believed God. It kind of reminds me of the 90-year-old man and 85-year-old woman that got married and immediately began looking for a house next to an elementary school. Now, that's faith, amen? And Abraham had faith. His faith was strong. His faith was strong in the person of God. His faith was strong in the power of God. His faith was strong in the promises of God. Instead of being weak in faith, he was strong in faith. Now, let me ask you something tonight. The Bible tells us to be strong in the Lord. And the Bible tells us to be strong in faith. Are you strong in faith? When it comes to taking God at His promises, do you really believe God? Or do you kind of hesitate to take God at His word? Do you stagger at the promises of God? Or do you believe God? It was a faith that was firm. But I want to remind you, second of all, it was a faith that was formed. I want you to listen to Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried. Genesis 22, God did tempt Abraham. He did put him to the test. Now, I want you to know why Abraham's faith was so 
firm in God? You know why his faith was strong? You know why he staggered not at the promises of God? There had been many trials in his life. There had been many storms in his life, and every one of them had taught him that God kept his word, that God kept his word, and God was able to keep his word. Hebrews 11 puts it this way. Abraham, he believed God, and he accounted that God was able. You remember that, Hebrews 11? It said he accounted that God was able. That word accounted is a bookkeeping term. Best way I know how to describe it, Abraham got looking at. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac up on the mountain. I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. And, he, and I want you to take him up there. So Abraham got looking at the thing. He said, wait a minute, Isaac is the promised seed. If he dies, God's got to raise him from the dead. So he got to look at the situation. He looked at this, what God had said, and how God had kept it. He said, that's one. He looked at this and how God had kept it. He said, that's two. He just started adding it up, and he finally said, look, that's what you want, Lord. That's what I'll do. If I have to kill my son because of your promise, you have to raise him from the dead again. He looked at all the trials that he'd gone through and all the things that happened had convinced him that God could be trusted. I listened to him and I, why does God let us suffer? Why does God let us suffer? It is that we might be strong in faith. I think about Andre Crouch's song, Through It All. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. And I put emphasis on learned. I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to depend upon His Word. You know, most of us tonight, we'd all say, God can supply our needs because the Bible says so, and that's all we need. But you know where most of us learn that God supplies our needs? It's when we have a need. You know how most of us learn that God's grace is sufficient? We needed grace. You know how most of us learned that God would never let us down or never forsake us or fail us? It's when we were over there ready to fall. That's when God showed himself faithful. How do I know? How do we know? It is through our trials that we learn that the promises of God are true. Our faith is strengthened in the storm. You'll never be strong in faith without adversity. You'll never be strong in faith without affliction. You'll never be strong in faith without storms. Storms are essential to develop your faith. Be strong in the Lord and be strong in, 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 the, in, in faith. But look at the third and the final thing. Not only the matter of being unshaken by our foes and the matter of being unwavering in our faith, but thirdly, being unerring or unerring in our fidelity. Look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1. The Bible not only tells us to be strong in the Lord, strong in faith, but also tells us to be strong in grace. 2 Timothy 2, 1. Now thou, or thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Again, we're to be strong in the Lord. There's an adversary to be strong in the Lord. We're to be strong in faith, not hesitating to take God at his word, and we're to be strong in grace. I'm not going to go into it in detail, but Paul's words to Timothy was a challenge and a call for faithfulness on his part and fidelity on his part. Let me just point out two things quickly. One, there was the unfaithfulness that was present. See, one of the things Paul was deeply disturbed about was the unfaithfulness of several in that day. Look at 1 Timothy 1.6. He talked about some having swerved, having turned aside. He's talking about those who have been unfaithful to God. He even identifies a couple of these defectors in verse 19 and 20. Holding faith, he said, 
and a good conscience. Which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. There were those that were swerving, you might say. There were some that were turning aside and turning away. But this is what Paul said to Timothy. I want you to be strong in grace. I don't want you to be like those that are unfaithful. I don't want you to be like those that are turning aside and turning away. I want you to be strong in grace. He said, I want you to be faithful to God. I want you to be true to God. You be strong. It was an unfaithfulness that was present. But I want you to look at something else. It was an unfaithfulness. It is also an unfaithfulness that is prevented. Go back to our text again. He tells us to be strong in grace. You be faithful. Everybody else, you ought to have this attitude tonight. Listen to me. You ought to have this attitude. Every member of Temple Baptist Church gives up on God. I'm going to serve God. Nobody comes next Sunday, I'm going to be here. If nobody shows up next week, I'll be here. If nobody will tell others about Jesus, I'll talk to others about Jesus. You ought to purpose in your heart, you're going to be faithful to God no matter who's faithful to God. Be strong in grace. But how do you become faithful to God? How do you become strong in grace? Again, Peter talks about after ye have suffered a while, strengthen you. You know that God uses suffering to keep us faithful to God? God uses adversity to keep me faithful to Him. God uses adversity to build my strength and my faithfulness and fidelity to God so that I'm not unfaithful to the Lord. He uses suffering to keep us serving God. I love something I read one time by B.M. Launderville. I want you to listen to this carefully. Listen to this. He said, the vine clings to the oak during the fiercest of storms. And although the violence of nature may uproot the oak, twining tendrils still cling to it. If the vine is on the opposite side of the wind, the great oak is its protection. If it is on the exposed side, the tempest only presses it closer to the trunk. And in some of the storms of life, God intervenes and shelters us, while in others He allows us to be exposed so that we'll be more pressed more closely to Him. Did you get that? Why the wind? He's driving me closer to himself. Why the storm? Pressing me closer to himself. Why, so, why do I suffer? God wants me to be strong in grace. And suffering builds my strength. An unknown author has given us these words. Our Father knows what's best for us. So why should we complain? We always want the sunshine, but he knows there must be rain. We love the sound of laughter and the merriment of cheer, but our hearts would lose their tenderness if we never shed a tear. Our Father tests us often with suffering and with sorrow. He tests us not to punish us, but to help us meet tomorrow. For growing trees are strengthened when they withstand the storm. And the sharp cut of the chisel gives the diamond grace and form. God never hurts us needlessly, and He never wastes our pain. For every loss He sends us is followed by a rich gain. 
And when we count the blessings that God so freely sent, we'll find no cause for murmuring and no time to lament. For our Father loves His children, and to Him all things are plain. So He never sends His pleasure when the soul's deep need is pain. So whenever we are troubled, and when everything goes wrong, it's just God working in us to make our spirit strong. Let's stand our feet. Why does God let His people suffer? To perfect us, to establish us, and to strengthen us. He wants you to be strong. We have one more word we'll look at, and that is to settle us. And what a good word that is. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. Maybe you're going through a storm in your life, through a trial in your life, and maybe you don't understand why. Then I could, can I just remind you of the promise of God that suffering has a reason to perfect, establish, strengthen, to settle us. And whatever's going on in your life, you can mark it down. There is a reason. And when you go through it, you may not know what he's doing. You, you say, oh, I don't know if he's perfecting me or establishing me or strengthening me. or I don't know what he's doing. You may not. But you remember what the first part of verse 5 or verse 10 says? But the God of all grace. You may not know why. But I'll guarantee you one thing, he'll give you grace to get through whatever you're going through. He'll give you strength to face it. He'll give you strength to get through it. He'll give you strength to make it. And maybe tonight you're going through a dark time in your life and what you need in your life is not so much to question the Father's ways, but to trust him and just let him give you the grace that you need. Grace to trust him. Grace to leave it in his hands. Grace to get through what you're going through. Won't you come tonight and give it to the Lord? Say, well, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in my life, but I'm going to trust you with it. Now, you give me grace to be able to trust you. Give me grace not to complain. Give me grace to leave it in your hands. Just give me grace for whatever I need. And there may be someone here tonight, you're saved, but you're not living for God. Won't you come tonight and give your life to the Lord? Say, I want to live for God. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not saved. It'd be a wonderful thing. You've saw and listened to people tonight rejoice and shout, talk about others getting saved. It's all about knowing that heaven is our home and Christ is our Savior. And we want you to go to heaven with us one day and we invite you to come. And we sing in a moment, you just get back, you see and come. There might be those tonight God is leading and become a part of our church. And this is where you want your membership to be. This is where you want to serve the Lord, whatever the reason. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, thank you for the storms and for suffering because through them we are strengthened. Take these thoughts tonight, put them into our hearts, and help us now. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.